now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Zero. Liftoff. Showtime. How come I'm not hearing anything? That's weird. There it is. Took a while. Hello, people. <laughs> hey, this this wouldn't be Bible News Radio without, you know, a... A bumpy start of some kind. <laughs> that be. Or my hair out of place. What the heck? It's all dark and handsome over here. <laughs> the dark side of the room. Uh, okay. Here we are, people. Nailed it. Oh, gosh. You couldn't pay me to be this. Whatever. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is Amy Grant's song. Remember it? My word from 100 million years ago. From Psalm 119 verse 105 says thy word is the lamp to my feet and a light to my path that's where this is taken from in case you didn't know so uh what psalm 119 105 mm-hmm. and thank you guys for sharing it out hope you uh, hope you did that because we are going to declare the word of god people Forget my hair. Just ignore it. It's kind of hard to do. All right. <clears throat> oh, that was funny. Okay. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am your sweet and lovable host of Bible News Radio. Who needs a slight haircut on the top? <laughs> oh, I do not know why my hair decides to do that. Wait, women should just do this. Because it's going to irritate me. Okay, there we go. I can deal with that. All right, so here we are. It's Wednesday. We're calling this Wednesdays in the Word with me, your sweet and lovable host, and Bareface, your sweet and lovable co-host who's in the dark right there. In the dark. I will present the dark side today. <laughs> the dark side of Bible study. No. <laughs> uh, just kidding. So, so uh, if you're new to the show, I am... I am Stacy Lynn Harp right there, your sweet and lovable host. And so what we're going to do today for this hour, you know, is we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do Bible study. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I am the type of person when I get into God's word, sometimes it's really hard for me to do anything else because I just like look at every word and then I think about it and then I, I write it down and then I make a list and then I go look up the Greek or the Hebrew, depending on if I'm in the Old Testament or the New Testament. 
And this morning, as I was preparing for this, you know, I was just like, oh my gosh, there's so much in it. And so, uh, so, so that's what we're going to do, right? So I hope you guys have your Bible open and I hope you got a piece of paper or something. And if you're watching the replay, of course you can, you can do that too. It's probably maybe less distracting on the replay because you don't have to worry about commenting and, and everything. But, but I was praying about, you know, one of the things that, um, I felt that we needed to do. And the reason, um, I did is because, you know, I've been doing a lot of, um, you know, soul searching and I've been searching my soul. Yeah, I have. And anyway, but one of the things though, that I miss personally is doing a Bible study with other people. And I think that <clears throat> this venue is very important because I'm just going to say it, don't hate me, but I think it's super important because so many people are on Periscope who are not declaring God's word. Okay. I'm just going to say it. There are people out there with vain imaginations and they're talking from their head. They're, they're making stuff up. They're claiming it's God's word, but they ain't even opened it up. And I look at some of these people and I'm like, oh my gosh, you got 500 people in the chat room here listening to you babble on about some fake prophecy that's not biblical. And it irritates me. It really, really does. Because the Bible is 66 books, people. 66 books. And my my friend and mentor, uh, Kay Arthur, who is one of the co-founders of Precept Ministries International, she actually exhorts people when she teaches them the inductive Bible study method. When you stand before the Lord on your judgment day, because we all have one coming, you know, the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and then after that, the judgment, you will give an account for everything that you did, whether you want to or not, <laughs> just so you know. But Kay often says, and she is 85 now, I believe, Kay often says, how many of these books, if Jesus were to quiz you, you would actually be able to just say what the theme of it is. What is the theme of it? Why was it written? Who wrote it? Where was it written? What were the circumstances in which it was written? Right? All of this is super important. And you know, we wouldn't do it with the newspaper. What I mean by that is, you, let's say I went to California and I picked up a copy of the Orange County Register, and I'm just using California because I'm more familiar with California. But let's say I went to California, I picked up the newspaper, and it's the Orange County Register. And then I just decided I'm going to read an article by, I don't know, Sarah Brown. Let's just say, for example, there's an article written by somebody named Sarah Brown. And I go down the third paragraph, the second sentence in it, and I take it completely out of context. And then I decide I'm going to use this as my mantra or my daily affirmation, or I'm going to build a theology and a belief system around whatever it was this woman wrote in the first paragraph or the second paragraph, whatever it was, the second sentence. That would be insane. And yet that's exactly what we do with the scripture. We open it up. We'll take a verse out of context and we'll apply it like it's a band-aid to a situation. And, and then we get upset when it doesn't come to pass, right? I have people, and I love you all. I do. I really do. I don't do this for the money. Believe me. <laughs> I do it because really God's called us to do it. But I love you all. And, and some of you, I, I go, oh, why are you listening to that guy over there? Why are you trying to manifest something that you were never called to, quote, manifest? Why are you believing that if you speak something, it will poof into existence? You're not God. Only God does stuff like that. Do our words have power? Yes. Do they manifest stuff for us? No. It's not biblical. It's a new age idea. And yet it's so prevalent. It's so hugely prevalent because people don't take the time to take uh, the time. They don't take the time to really study the word of God. So my approach to the word of God is simple. I open up the book and then I read it in its context if I don't understand something, guess what? I look it up in the Hebrew or the Greek. That's what the concordances are for. That's what blueletterbible.com is for. You have all that info at your fingertips. It just takes some time and discipline to get into it. So with that said, let's, let's open up to 1 Peter, okay? So 1 Peter, in case you don't know, is a New Testament epistle. An epistle is a simple, short letter 
that one of the apostles wrote to whatever church it was he was writing to at the time. And just so you know, an apostle is somebody by definition who has seen the living risen savior, Jesus Christ. That is who an apostle is. So these knuckleheads walking around on Periscope today calling themselves apostles so-and-so, uh, I'm just going to say boldly they're not biblically. <laughs> okay. And I know some of you are my friends and you're going to smack me for that, but unless you have seen the risen Savior himself, you are not an apostle. You are not called to be an apostle, okay? Now, you're a minister, sure. All disciples of the Lord are. But are you an apostle? No, you're not. But Peter was. And Peter was awesome. And now we, we know that Peter was called, he was a fisherman, right? He was called, uh, he was called to be a fisher. He was called as a fisherman. He was a man who we know was hot-headed. Um, we often cite him because of the fact that, you know, he was hot-headed, also known as passionate. Um, I believe I'm related to Peter, probably. <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. I don't know about that for sure. But characteristically, I think I'm a lot like Peter. Um, put my foot in my mouth and I'm like, okay, that didn't right, quite come out right. Uh, the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts is actually Peter declaring the gospel uh, to the church. It's, it's him there. He's actually outlining church history, what has happened with the, the risen Messiah and what Christ actually accomplished in the flesh for us as God. Um, so <clears throat> you can actually, um, you can actually go and read the first 12 chapters of Acts and you can see church history. It's a, it's a really cool book. You want to say something? See, um, when Bareface comes on the screen next to me over here, then I'm like, ah, he wants to the, say something. I can't see through the monitor that's in front of her face. So oh, okay. I was using the view of the camera to see where Stacy placed the microphone. We could move it out just a little bit more. People can't hear me. I I think they can hear you can better, you hear more clearly. You can probably hear me now, huh? Okay, good. <clears throat> all right. So much better. Thank you. All right. And by the way, hi everybody. I should just say hi first before I start teaching you stuff. So Jeannie is here, who I just talked to on the phone, I think. Diane, Marlene, Sean, Melanie, Mia, Sharon, Rachel, Bob, Rob, Bob and Rob, and Ian are here. And one more viewer, I don't know who you are. And I'm sure there's some other people out there, too. I don't know if anybody's watching on YouTube or Twitch, but hey, if you are, super cool. All right. Okay, so... <clears throat> so that's one thing. The, the the beginning of Acts is actually Peter declaring stuff. Um, and you got to love it because Peter, remember when this was done, okay? Peter had denied Christ. Remember that? You all, we all know him. That's his big failure in life, that he denied Jesus, right? But at the same time, this was also the guy that walked on water. Don't forget that, okay? Peter was cool. And I don't know about you, but I kind of want to get to know Peter when I get up there in Millennial Kingdom and when we're reigning forever and ever. I think that's going to be super cool to meet Peter because I, in my mind, see him one way and I'm sure you guys see him pictured a different way. But, but I, I personally, I actually, you know, look forward to meeting him because, you know, he's the only guy <clears throat> that we know of that we can literally say walked on water. And that took faith. And also denied Christ, and it was like probably his biggest humiliation and shame, especially since when you read the story, you understand that it was a little girl he denied who Christ was too. It was a girl, a little girl, a child, you know, here's this big burly fisherman. Did you know, is he the Jesus, the Messiah? Well, I don't know that guy. Nope. And then, oh, 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 oh. that didn't come out right. How do you rooster like a crow? Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. You know, my, the point was I was trying to be a rooster. It didn't quite came out. I kind of did a half dog bark there. I don't know how that happened, but whatever. <clears throat> anyway, but here's the other cool thing I learned uh, in my prep study for this was, did you guys know that the word Christian is used three times in the Bible, right? Did you know that bareface? Uh, one comes to mind immediately, two come to mind immediately, 
Okay. And I can only think of two at the top of my head. Okay, but it's actually three. Okay, they were first called Christians at Antioch. That's the first mention. That's correct, it. and that was Peter. Right. Okay. And and then toward the end of the book of Acts, Festus, Gunnar Festus says to Paul, Thou almost persuade me to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. And Paul says, yeah, I would to God that you would be just as I am, except for these chains. Yep. And then there's one more time. Uh, one more time after that? Yep. Hmm. It's here in the book of First Peter. It's chapter 4, verse 16, hmm. which says, But if anyone suffers as a Christian, there, let him not feel ashamed, right. but in that name let him glorify God. Hmm. Okay, so there you go. So you want to write these down? Acts 11.26, Acts 26.28. You can put 29 there too because it's a kind of following statement yeah. there. And then First Peter 4.16 actually um, mentions the word Christian in the Bible. So some people might go, well, the word Christian is not in the Bible. Yeah, it is. It's in there three times, literally in there three times. In the Greek, it actually refers to being essentially a little Christ. Right. Christos. Christos, right? So. Yeah, it's a diminutive of Christos. Um, One, if I might just kind of follow on something you said about the first part of Acts. Yeah, go ahead. Being about... Peter, really? We are co-teaching. You are We're the really, man, though, really and the I shall acts... submit to your authority as the lady with the head covering. <laughs> and quite the head covering <laughs> I have there, a beautiful one. Thank you. Um, you know, in the first part of the act, book of Acts, it focuses on Peter because of the charge that was given to him back in Matthew 16. And this is where I advocate, not a King James only person, but a, a King's English person, because there's that differentiation made in English of the 17th century between singular and plural second person. You know, the versus ye, thou versus you. Mm-hmm. And, and when uh, Yeshua, when the Christ says to Peter, um, um, I give thee the kingdoms, I give unto thee the keys of the kingdom, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It's not ye, it's not whatever you, you know, whatever you loose on earth. It's not a collective you, it's not a plural, it's a singular. It's addressed to Peter specifically. And that can open up a whole new stepping on people's toes and barrel of worms, uh, perhaps, in our audience. But those things were directed to an individual after his confession. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Mm-hmm. Uh, flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but you know the uh, you know the the Spirit of God. Oh, my Father! Actually, says my Father in heaven, and thou art Peter, little rock. And upon this rock, Petra, the big rock, upon this me and this confession, I will build my church. Not upon Peter, but Peter upon Peter is not a pope. Just yeah, so you know, but upon the Messiah and recognition that he is the son of God upon that rock, he builds his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And gates of hell, of course, is a Hebrew. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Idiom. Uh, idiom, idiom and uh, euphemism. That's what I'm looking for. Euphemism. I could say that word for death an idiom for yeah. death. We see that used in Jonah and in the Kings and other places where it talks about anyway. And so death will not prevail against him nor nor his church uh, because they have eternal life in him. But the, what follows giving thee the keys of the kingdom and what thou lose, you know, bind on there, what thou lose. And, and it's not the church collective, it's Peter individual. And you see him as the one who gives that sermon in Pentecost. And for the early believers, when it comes to laying on hands and them receiving the Holy Spirit, it's always him and it's not until he arrives on the scene that that the church gets going. And so, anyway, that's one other study. But I wanted to emphasize why the first part, the first twelve chapters, focus in on Peter because he was given that assignment by the Lord. Amen. I love you. Yeah, I love Aww, you too. I know. Okay, so let me read. I'm going to read you just the heading in my Bible, just because it's easier, and so it'll it'll just it'll make more sense if I read it. 
Um, it says here, Paul mentioned uh, Peter in Galatians chapter 118, chapter 2, verses 7, 9, 11, and 14, and 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 12, chapter 3, 22, 9, 5, and 15, 5. And the two New Testament epistles bear his name. That's First and Second Peter. His first letter is one of the seven general letters and is addressed to the five Roman provinces in Asia Minor, north of the Tarsus Mountains. The occasion of writing was persecution in the area, and the letter tries to encourage and equip the readers for the difficult times ahead. And that's actually, honestly, why I wanted to study this book right now, because I think um, having studied Christian persecution over a decade now and, um, you know, written about it professionally for over eight years, that I don't think a lot of the body of Christ in America understands how close we actually are to persecution. And the whole Bible is a book about persecution, about persecuted Jews and Christians. So Paul, or not Paul, Peter, when he wrote this, he was trying to encourage and equip readers, you know, who read this about that. It says here, there were no empire-wide persecutions of Christians until the brutal one under at Dexius in AD 249 and 51, but local ones could be quite severe. One of the worst persecutions known to have struck the early church took place early in the second century in Bithynia, one of the provinces to which First Peter was written. Uh, in a letter sent from Pliny, the governor of, of Bithy, Bithy, Bithynia, to the Roman emperor Trajan, like Trojan, but Pliny, Trajan, with an A, in AD 112, the official explained that he had been executing people who confessed that they were Christians. Uh, Trajan's reply indicated approval of Pliny's policy, but allowed Christians who renounced their faith and worshipped Roman gods to go free. Okay, so again, there's a war here. We see that. Since First Peter was probably written in the AD 60s, so 60 years after the death and resurrection of the Lord, uh, persecution of the severest kind for its recipients was only a few decades away. Peter used Jesus' own suffering as the cornerstone of his exhortation. Another key concern was that Christians suffer as Christians, not as idiots or lawbreakers. <laughs> I just I threw in the idiot part because just saying. There are a lot of Christians out there. In fact, I heard Pastor Jack Hibbs say this the other day on his uh, when he was giving a, a, a sermon. He was saying that some of the Christians that irritate him are the ones that get out there and they preach with bullhorns and they say, repent or die or gone to hell. Um, you know, he, he basically he was saying, these are not the type of believers we, we want representing us because, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, anyway, in this connection, he produced one of the only three instances of the word Christian to be found in the New Testament. That's where I got it. Okay. And uh, Peter wrote from Babylon, which was sometimes a code word for Rome. Uh, and we can see that in Revelation chapter 14, verse 8, and Revelation 17, verse 5. So it was probably actually written from Rome. So that actually makes more sense. If you consider the fact that when Peter wrote this, persecution was coming, it was already there, not in the the extent that it was, but if he was in Rome, we already know what happened to Christians there, right? They were thrown to the lions uh, and made eaten for sport. And of course, they went up against the government, which of course tries to oppress people. And that's exactly what we are seeing today. Now, a lot of people think that America is Babylon today. Um, I don't know if that's accurate as far as prophetically speaking. But what I can say is that we are um, mirroring a lot of the things that happened in ancient Rome. And uh, yeah, Nero, right? That's right, Sean. Um, but I mean, we're mirroring it. We shed innocent blood every single day. M abortions are done in this country. Homosexuality has been legalized. <laughs> I mean, hello. Uh, greed is magnified. All over the place, you know, the, the lust of the flesh, pornography, all that stuff. I mean, we are not a godly nation. I don't care how many people like to say that we are. Our roots are. But the current state of affairs in this country is anything but. We are the number one purveyor of pornography across the world. And so we can't say that we are, you know, a super godly spiritual country. Because <laughs> we're not. Which is why we're in the mess we're in. 
But anyway, all that to say, so that's a little bit of introduction, okay? So let's look. Verse 1, we're going to read this, and then Bareface and me are going to commentate. And you guys, throw out any comments or questions that you have. And Pastor Garrett, thank you for coming in. We're honored to have your presence, sir. Glad that you're there. Annie, nice to see you as well. Glad that you're there too. All right, so it says here, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. I'm going to tell you right now, if I was doing an inductive K. Arthur type Bible study, the very first thing I would be doing is getting some maps out (laughs) and I'd be writing, you know, I'd be looking at the map and I'd be finding every single place that was just mentioned here, right? I would be, I would be looking up Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, and I would be looking at where they are in reference to where Peter is, which we just read was probably Rome potentially Babylon okay so that is super important because if we don't know where he was writing from and who he was writing to and we don't understand the culture in which he was doing that then there's a whole lot that we miss would you agree bareface um indeed I would because um you know that tells us um well all that it helps us to put our minds in the place where it was you know i know sometimes you're talking to me and just telling me a story about not not a fictional story but something happened and i'll ask you know or where was that and and you know things like that that may not seem pertinent to the story but for me it's important to place myself in the environment to better understand it Right. Uh, I don't have an immediate example right now. Well, I, but... I, well, I, I can tell you. I, I, when I was in undergrad or in my associate's degree, I had a writing class. And you might recall this assignment I had, Randall. I actually was assigned a paper that I had to write. And the, the paper was basically um, to look at a local newspaper or any type of paper, newspaper that we had. And we were supposed to write about it as if we were an alien from another planet and and right from the perspective of trying to understand what that alien would have thought of what I of what I wrote and I'll never forget it because it was such a powerful exercise and again it gives you the opportunity it gives you the um you know it, it, if you don't understand the context in which it's written then you just don't understand it that's why i said earlier you don't take one line out of a newspaper article and then build some type of theology or belief system out of it but we do with the word of god which is the devil's trick in my opinion um understanding the culture that's why ariel ministries and this would be a good segue to that ariel ministries is our sponsor uh, and we are grateful because ariel ministries is a very solid biblically based ministry uh, in fact, Camp Shoshana is coming up. See that cool segue? <laughs> anyway, Camp Shoshana is coming up. And if you guys want to get seriously grounded in the, in the Word of God, you want to learn the history, the culture, and all that, go to this camp. It's a school of Messianic Jewish studies. It, it's all summer long. Uh, they offer scholarships, and you can learn more by going to campshoshana.com. Go there. Also, go to, to ariel.org. Use the coupon code BIBLENEWS and save 20% on anything. In fact, I believe they actually have a Bible study uh, of 1 Peter that you can probably purchase in MP3 format. Uh, I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure it's there. There's, I know there is an epistle uh, that Arnold did with uh, his teaching and study on 1 Peter. I mean, it's, it's there. You definitely want to get the background in the culture. You know, of course, it applies to us today. These letters were written for our instruction. But anyway... So all that to say, if we had more time, we would be looking at the geography of where Peter was writing because he had an idea of who he was writing to, right? Oh, there there we go. Bareface is going to bring it up right there. So check that out right there. I always do the wrong way. Okay, <clears throat> so. You're left. Um, 
So he was writing to those throughout Pontus, Galatia, uh, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Okay? So that's the first thing we should look at is the fact that he's writing to the chosen people. Right? We always hear that chosen people ministries or something like that. But that's who he was writing to. He wasn't writing to the unbeliever. He was writing to the chosen people um, who were chosen um, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by by the sanctifying work of the Spirit that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Now, note there, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are mentioned all three there, okay? That is evidence right there of the Trinity of God, the Godhead. Don't miss that because some people deny the Trinity exists. And they also deny that that the Father was God, that Jesus is God, and that the Holy Spirit is God. But yet here, Peter, as he's being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this, he actually mentions all three. And he actually, very subtly, actually mentions what they do. If you, if you read it carefully, it says, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. What does the Spirit do? Did you catch it? Mm-hmm. Sanctifies us, right? That you may what? Obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Why is that important? Because that's the innocent blood that was shed on our behalf. May grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. And I love it because grace and peace are mentioned frequently, not only by Peter, but also by Paul when they open up the letters to, that they write to the chosen people that they write to. And I like that he says sprinkled with his blood. Yeah. You know, there are... It's an illusion. Well, yeah, there, there are hymns and somewhat modern Christendom that talk about being washed in the blood and, um, you know, plunged into the blood and the flow <laughs> of the blood and all that. But, and in the in the law, in the sacrificial system, you know, sure, the animal was... You know, the, especially the the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb, was was slain. And it was bled on the altar, but then to sanctify, you know, to make holy, set apart the instruments used of service, and the whether it be the, you know, the temple itself, its curtains, anything, anything to do with service to God, set apart. Those things were sprinkled with the blood. They weren't washed in them or painted with blood or anything they were sprinkled with blood anyway so so you know obey christ and be sprinkled with his blood is not only shows his sacrifice for our redemption you know as a substitutionary lamb but our being set apart um by him sprinkled just like those implements of the of the temple Yeah, which shows you that Peter, a a mere fisherman, right, who was uneducated, you know, he wasn't necessarily, he wasn't a rabbi, you know, I mean, he wasn't part of the Sanhedrin or, you know, or anything. He was a fisherman. But a a good Jewish boy. But he understood, yeah, he understood, and no (laughs) doubt that he had been there. And not only that, but being a fisherman, he understood what it was probably like to clean fish, and he understood the difference between splattering of blood and, and all that, so... Uh, so that's, that's interesting. So may grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. How many of you walk around saying, Hey, may grace and peace be, be yours today in fullest measure. You know, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think a lot of us read through those words and we don't even think about it, you know, and I think that we need to think about it because grace is unmerited favor. That's the simplest way to define it, right? You don't deserve it. It's unmerited favor. You got it because God's given it to you. And peace, everybody in the world is looking for it. That's why we're all doped up on medication, trying to reduce anxiety, you know, and stuff like that. So here, Peter understood these two things personally. He understood God's grace. Remember, he's writing this after he denied the Lord. And he understood peace because he knew the Prince of Peace personally. Um Of course, we can get deeper into that, but verse three says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, 
has caused us to be born again to a living hope. <coughs> Excuse me. I knew I was going to sneeze. To a living hope <clears throat> through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay. Now there we go, people. There's a packed verse for you. Right, Bareface? Totally. Uh, this this verse we could blab on for the next 25 minutes. <laughs> right. So, again, we see... We see um, well, that's one of my favorite verses, but you go ahead. You can talk. <laughs> and I, and right. I know we got some comments. Let me scroll through here and see what people have said. Um, NB Tweeter said, please explain the comment in my NKJ v, v greetings to the elect pilgrims. Well, I, I think that it means the same thing, the chosen. That's what it, I think it's just different lingo, but it means the same thing. Would yeah, you, would yeah. Agree? Elect, um, you know, volumes have been written on predestination versus free will. The Bible teaches both. Um, so, I mean, just I'm, to confuse us all. Yeah, I mean, can you explain the mind and the ways of God? No. Um, and we have the mind of Christ available to us, but if we had in totality the mind of God, we well, we'd be Google. No, uh, we. <laughs> <laughs> no, we wouldn't. That was a joke because Google's um, idea is they want to be the mind of God, which you know, good luck with that. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, we're not we're not God, so free will versus predestination. Yes, you're both right. Um, Bible seems to speak of both. So anyway, so elect, yes, chosen. Uh, you know, Yeshua, Jesus said, "No one can come to me unless the Father draws him." Right. And so that speaks of a predestination sort of thing and and it talks about us being chosen before the foundation of the world um etc so like in pilgrims is of course someone who's not a a resident you know someone passing through and the idea is i mean they were they had fled um the holy land into these uh, provinces of asian minor which modern day turkey um Christianity goes way back in right. Turkey, centuries before Islam. But um, anyway, so yeah, just that, elect pilgrims. They're obviously elect because they've placed their faith in Messiah. They're chosen, whether he chose them or they chose him or however that works together. We respond to his choosing. And then they're pilgrims because not only were they um, he said thanks, by the sure. way, already. <laughs> All right. They were not only exiled into a place outside their homeland, but just as believers, you know, this world is not our home. So right. they were pilgrims in that sense. Okay. All right. So but, verse, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again uh, to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's so much there. Yeah, there is. Packed. It's, packed, it's, packed. it's packed. And but you know, the thing that, that jumped out at me again, you know, Peter, he's he's identifying with us here. He says, caused us to be born right. again. Now in the in the Hebrew understanding of the terminology being born again, mm -hmm. there were how many different ways? I forgot. Thirty or fifteen? Uh, no, just, just six. Six. There were six different ways to be born again in under the law and you know well, more tradition than law okay under the tradition that's why brandles is here to correct me <laughs> <laughs> sorry but no but but, I mean, you won't... but we learned this though in the he in the life of the messiah series but they all have to do with life events yeah they do yeah so this is interesting though because it is tied to a life event as well well, well yeah but 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 not the same like way. chronological way right you know, they were shall we yeah. enumerate them they okay. were like bar mitzvah when when a young man becomes 13 years old he's born again because he becomes son of the commandment he's now responsible for so it's like a, a new life he's born again um when a man becomes king he's born again of course nicodemus that wasn't going to happen in the roman government yeah, this uh, is in john 3 by the way where the where nicodemus asks him what shall I do to be born again? Should I go back into my mother's womb? And anyway, Jesus responds. Anyway, and then one, one, when one converts to Judaism, they've been, you know, they were Gentile, but they become a worshiper of, 
of Yahweh, the you know one true living God. They're born again because they enter new life. And then there's one uh, a man uh, when man is married, uh, you know it's a new life. He's now responsible for a bride, whatever. And then there's when man becomes uh, the leader of a rabbinic school. Uh, which Nicodemus was, because Yeshua tells him, "Are you the teacher of Israel? And you do not know these things." And he was old too, so this. Yeah, that's sense. why he says, "You know, how can a man be born again when he He's is old?" Because right. he'd done everything else, right. all the life stages he'd been through, and what to do? Go back, and Yeshua's, and then they get all six. I don't know. I wasn't counting, <laughs> okay. but there's was, wasn't there one when he was thirty or something? Yeah, maybe that's it. Okay. Um, anyway, so that's why Yeshua says, basically, I'm not talking about anything related to physical life, the stages of life. I'm talking about something spiritual here. Right. I'm talking about a spiritual rebirth. And so here, Peter, knowing this, he writes, um, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection is the cornerstone of our Christian faith, because if the resurrection never happened, then our faith would be pointless. It would be in vain. We would be most pitied upon the earth, which is what it says, no. I believe, in First Corinthians, I think. Um, yes. So, yeah. So first Peter, I mean, yeah. So first Peter. So Peter here, he's declaring the resurrection here, which which to those who hated Christ was like an anathema. They couldn't even fathom the fact that somebody would do that. Um, let alone, you know, <laughs> birth an, a movement out of it, which is what he did. So if I were you, this is what I did. I uh, circled living hope through the resurrection because that is where our hope comes from. Um, you know, and in one area that you can really see that in is when people die without Christ, you know, the, the families that are left behind who don't know the Lord, that person who has perished without Christ, they have no hope. But we, when we, when we die or, or, you know, a loved one of ours dies in Christ, we have a living hope knowing that we will be back and we will see them someday again. Yeah. Um, hope that's not numbered, you know, limited to the days of our years, um, or, yeah. you know, anything else is limited. It's, it's unlimited. It's a living hope. Yeah. It's a living hope, which is so cool. By the way, Michael Card, um, he has done some really great music, uh, and he uses this this verse in that. So, anyway, moving on swiftly through First Peter. <laughs> now in verse four, uh, it says here to obtain an an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Now that people is something to totally rejoice about. And I was thinking about it this morning as I was reading this and studying it a little bit. I was like, okay, Lord, this is super cool. And this is why I get super distracted because cause then I start thinking about, okay, not only was I born again to a living hope because of the resurrection, but we are going to obtain an inheritance that is imperishable, right? It's imperishable and undefiled. And it's not going to fade away. And it's reserved in heaven for us. We have an inheritance. Now, I don't know about you, but when my mom died, she didn't really leave me anything. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, it talks about how, um, I think it's in Proverbs, it talks about that good parents should leave an inheritance to their children. If they're super good parents, they will do that. That's my paraphrased version. But, you know, here Jesus, uh, you know, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through Peter is saying, hey, you know what? Look, we got a living hope, but we also are going to obtain an inheritance. And Randall, I think that one of the, I think the biggest inheritance here, if you, if you read this very closely, I think that inheritance is Christ himself. I don't think it's necessarily um, other stuff, although I do think God will bless us with other stuff, but who is this, right? To obtain an inheritance, which is imperishable, Jesus is imperishable, mm -hmm undefiled jesus is undefiled and will not fade away the word of god does not fade away and reserved in heaven for you where is he now just saying oh. that's 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 what i think it could it could be a, a number of other things but i don't know what do you think <clears throat> well i think i think it's a package deal as we read about uh, the new right. jerusalem the heavenly city that comes down right but 
but again, uh, if if all of that is without its king, the king of the kingdom, <clears throat> then it's all kind of pointless. Right. Just like the whole our faith without the res- resurrection is pointless because it's not Christianity is not just a collection of good teachings and how to live life. There are some good teachings on how to live life, yeah. but it hinges on the authority of Yeshua, Jesus being the Messiah, the the mediator between God and man, the you know, the God man, and and the substantiation of his identity through the resurrection from the dead. If there's no resurrection, then the faith is pointless in the same way he's the key figure in our inheritance and glory um if if he's not there and it's got it's not totally theologically correct but back in the 80s there was a song by a group called silver wind called heaven is being with you and and it it goes to that point that jesus if you're not up there then then i'm not interested i mean the the whole point is going where the you know king reigns supreme. So yeah, I think uh, while the city may be imperishable and all that, if it, it's all about him, yeah, our faith and our future center on him. Yep. All right. So again, we're continuing here now. Verse five. It says, "Who are protected by the power of God through faith." For a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So again, going back to who he's writing to, he's writing to the chosen people who are living under persecution or a severe one is about ready to come. And he's laying out to them, you know, first their blessing, that they're born again, you know, that they are getting ready, that they have an inheritance waiting for them. So I, I see that also as kind of a carrot because it's like, remember, hey, you know what? You're being persecuted. Don't worry. If you die, you have an inheritance waiting for you. It's I'm, it's imperishable. This life is short. And you're going to see that he quotes from the Old Testament a little later here in, in the first chapter. But then he says, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And um, I want to I want to read my footnote here. <laughs> from the commentator who wrote in my Bible, he wrote regarding verse five, he said here reference is made to those whom God has regenerated. They become the heirs of a resurrection body because the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the first fruits of their own resurrection. This inheritance is kept for them uh, reserved. It's a perfect participle in the passive voice, which means that this inheritance was made possibly by Jesus Christ sometime in the past and is now kept by him until the proper time of delivery. Um, it is not this inheritance of the believer only that is kept in heaven, but also we who are currently alive on earth are being guarded, which is in the present participle meaning that we are being guarded by God who is in heaven while through faith we are awaiting our liberation from earth. This guarding has its purpose, our deliverance at the resurrection. The word translated salvation is equivalent to the redemption of Romans 8.23, which refers to our body. It does not refer to salvation from sin, but our liberation or salvation from our present mortal and corrupted body. The word salvation here is used exactly with the same meaning as in Romans 3, uh, 13, 11. So that's interesting, don't you think? Indeed. And I like that, you know, who who are protected. What? No one died during all this persecution? And, you right. Know, right. No, they were protected. Protected what? Protected for a salvation. A salvation from the sword of Rome? No. Uh, like I say, it doesn't have to do with salvation from the punishment of sin, but as was pointed out, the salvation in the, you know, the glorious, you know, the body of glory that awaits us. And it waits. It's not like being fashioned. It might come through. It's ready. It's there waiting, ready to be revealed in the last time. So you are protected by the power of God for what? To escape sword and persecution? No, protected for the salvation that is, you know, this um, imperishable body ready to be revealed in the last time and it's accessible through faith that's it 
not not any kind of big performance or down payment on our half, you know, on our part. Or, but yeah. protected anybody, by the power of God. Anybody have any questions so far as you're reading along with us? By the way, I use the New American Standard Version. I think Randall uses the King James Verse chapter three version something yeah, like that. Yeah, KG three. I like it for most of the verb translations are, are really mm-hmm. good, but it doesn't preserve the singular and plural second person, which I don't like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd like to train myself just to dispense with translations and yeah, I hear you. Just read the original language. All right, okay. Long way from that. I don't see any questions yet, so we'll keep reading. In verse six, it says. In this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a whole sermon there, mm-hmm. you know, just so you know. So, so the proof, okay, so... So what is what are we greatly rejoicing in? Remember? Okay, we're we're greatly rejoicing in our salvation, but he he's this is where and he That did, is our physical salvation. Right. And he is now pointing us to the reality of what he's writing to these people is that, you know, hey, you're gonna be distressed in various trials. And you know, this is the thing one of the things I learned about the persecuted church and, and the American church that is interesting a lot of times and i saw this happening i'll often see people say oh my gosh those persecuted christians in north korea and nigeria and china they're they're like superhero christians you know because they they're being persecuted and they're not wavering in their faith you know what that's not necessarily true a lot of them do waver a lot of them do not stand firm i can tell you that as a fact but it's like we we put them up as like these like oh we should worship them type thing and that's not true being under severe persecution is distressing just like having any type of problem is distressing when we have it but i think the parallel he's trying to bring here is that it's normal to be distressed when you're under trial but that your faith that proof 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 of your faith is that it's more precious than gold which is perishable Okay, even, okay, even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And you know, it's interesting. I find it interesting. I find it interesting that Peter compares faith to money. Isn't that interesting? Because don't you think, you know, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil and, and um, that um, he's, he's comparing that having faith is better than gold. You know, it's more precious than gold. It's having deep faith is better than money, which which actually <laughs> knocks out the whole word of faith movement for you. Uh, the blame it and grab it, grab it, blab it, and, you know, manifest preachers out there. Hey, if you donate, if you, you know, manifest whatever, then you'll get blah, blah. And it's like, you know what? That has nothing to do with reality except the greed in the person's heart saying it. Um our faith is valuable and you know we all have it god gives us a measure of faith right and and you know honestly i don't think any of us really truly know how much faith we have until we're in a life and death situation if you think about it um but it's more precious than gold which is perishable which tells you that our faith is not perishable um even though tested by fire, it may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then verse 8 is probably where we're going to end up leaving. Verse 8 says, and though you have not seen him, because remember, not everybody Peter wrote to saw Christ, right? You love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, and I'm gonna I am gonna read verse nine, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So let's talk about that bare face. You know how I I remember you saying like a while back that 
that you you felt like you've seen Christ, but then it was like, oh no, you haven't seen him. Not yeah. really, not face to face yet. You know, I haven't either, but I feel like I have. I have this image of who he is because I've read his word so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a go tandem question one day. I don't have that app installed on my phone. Have it for a while, but anyway, uh, I don't know if it was based on this or um, one of the gospel. But ask the question: Is it hard to love someone you know whom you've never seen? And then, and then for a moment, I actually had to think through it. Have have I not seen? The Lord, have I not seen Yeshua? Have we not met face to face? And I'm like, well, no, no, we haven't. Of course we haven't. Um, well, but, some people have, but, you know, we haven't. So. Yeah, and but, but I just feel like he knows me so well. And I know him more as time goes on. I don't feel like quite as close as I used <laughs> to be, and that's, that's my fault. Not being as much a man of prayer as I used to be, um, or have been. Um, but yeah, you you can get to know him without without a face to face meeting. I mean, in a, as he told as he told the religious leaders, my sheep know my voice, and and you get you get to know it as you. Not only as you mature, you uh, are able to discern between good and evil, which is the sign of spiritual maturity, but you also get to know the voice of the Lord, so that there's no question, you know, when the Spirit is prompting you to do something, whether it's something you had for lunch or your own, you know, your own whatever conscience, or whether it's actually the voice of the Lord. Yeah. But I love here how Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. You know, and I don't know about you. How many of you guys put a one if you have not seen the Lord Jesus, but you still love him? Right. I mean, think about it. That's that's a powerful thing. Right. Um, But uh, and though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. Right. So, and obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So again, here's your faith, right? And again, faith, you know, who we are, you know, and I don't know about Peter. I don't know what his voice sounded like, but, you know, we see his passion, you know, as he talks about, you know, that we were born again, caused to a living hope, that we have an inheritance that's imperishable, that we are protected by God's power and salvation and that we can rejoice even in trial, um, and that the and that the resurrection is there, as well as the fact that that we have hope, right? We love a God that we have never seen, and people of the world thinks we're nuts. Just so you know, they do. They think we're out of our mind. How dare you believe in that God? Well, you know what? Hey, you know what? I have an unseen God that I believe historically walked on the earth, rose from the dead changed my life. I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but I can't remember when I wasn't saved because I got saved when I was about 14. I don't actually know the original day, but I've tried to think about what was my life like before that? And I can't, I can't, it's just like, it's like this black thing. I can't, I can't go back there. I can't remember what it was like to not have my eyes open spiritually to God's word because it's such, it was such a huge shift and this is why, as disciples, being a daily disciple is so important because we can take time every day, even, even, even if it's five minutes, just take some time every day just to meditate on his word and go, you know what, I'm going to build that muscle here. I'm going to build that spiritual muscle. And I want people who are in the darkness to have the veil lifted off their eyes so that they can see this, you know, so that they can go and they go, oh my gosh. Now I'm born again. I, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit revealed this to me. I have a living hope. I don't have to be in despair and depressed and bound by anxiety and depression and stuff. And, you know, and, um, you know, 
but then you think about it, you're like, wow, you haven't seen him, but you love him, right? I can tell you I love the Lord. I am not the perfect believer, as you all know. <laughs> not even close, but I'm an honest one. You know, I was talking to somebody earlier today, Scott, who was, uh, I don't know if he's watching on YouTube or not, but Scott's been watching our show for like at least a decade, probably longer. And um, anyway, I called him up today and we were talking and, and, um, and, you know, one of the things that he gave a compliment to me was he said, you know, what I love about Bible News Radio, what I love about you is that you're authentic. You're real. You actually share what's going on. You know, you're who you are. It's not like there's any pretense in who you are. You know, you know who you are. <laughs> and pretty much you do too. You know, either love me or hate me. No, most people love me. But the thing is, is, is my life is an open book because I, I walk with the word, you know, and I'm not perfect, um, at all, but I do have that hope and that encouragement. And what discourages me sometimes is seeing believers discouraged because they don't understand that real joy comes from him and him alone. I mean, you can go through a whole lot of crap in life and we all have, um, but you know, flowers can come out of manure. You know what I'm saying? Something beautiful can always come out of it. And, you know, the brutality of the cross was our gift. That was his gift to us so that we could have eternal life in Christ. So if for some reason you haven't been tuned into this program, you don't know who the heck we are and you think we're a bunch of crazy people, welcome to the club. You know, I, I hope that if you are not a follower of Christ yet, that this show makes you curious enough to want to open the Bible and read it. And, you know, not listen to the, all these other voices out there that claim to be God or blah, blah, but open up his word. It's called God's word for a reason because it is. And this is the only book that Randall says comes with its author, right? <laughs> you can simply pray and say, hey, Lord God, if you're there, you know, show me in the Bible what it is, who you are and speak to me. And you know what? He will guaranteed hands down. I have read so many testimonies through the Gideons International, um, you know, updates that they put out. People go ahead, they, they will find a Bible in a hotel or some other place and they'll read it and it will open up to some of the weirdest places in the world in the word of God. The weird verses will open up and that will just jump out and speak to that person. No other book does that. No other book comes alive and, you know, and stuff. And a couple, I remember a while back, somebody was saying the Bible's that dusty old couple thousand year old book. And I, <laughs> I remember when I heard that, I was like, the Bible's a few thousand years old. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. I mean, I, I did obviously I have an idea, but when I read it, it doesn't feel like it's a couple thousand years old because there's so much of it, pretty much all of it. When I pay attention, that actually meets me where I'm at today in my own life, in my heart. And I'm like, how did you know? Oh, wait a minute. You knew because you made me. <laughs> no other God did that, you know, just saying. So, uh, yeah. So be encouraged. You know, that's, I just want to say be encouraged. And John, hi, my, my friend in Canada, AKA Baldy. Um, yeah, be encouraged in the word because it's a living word. It's a living hope. We have hope, you know, we have hope and the world needs it. And we got peace and the world needs that too. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, so there you go. Also forgot to tell you, if you want to donate to our show, Bible news radio, you can donate over there at our website, biblenewsradio.com forward slash give. Uh, if you want to become a pillar of the community, you can do that by just saying you're going to donate something to us every month. Uh, that would be super awesome. It would help us out a lot and it would actually show us that you appreciate what we do because you know, we're faithful. We come here every day literally every day. <laughs> we are here, uh, with you and, um, you know, encouraging you and, and hopefully blessing you. And that's, you know, ultimately the goal. Um, and is there anything else? Oh yeah. Legal shield. I forgot to tell you today is law day. If you're watching the archive, it's not May 1st. Um, May 1st is law day. There's an 800 number, uh, available to call for people who are not members of legal shield. Um, you still have time. It's it's 5 p.m. Central Time, so you don't have time now Now here, but if you're anywhere not in the Central Time Zone, like to the west of us, 
you can still call this phone number 877-511-7886. You can call that number and you can ask a legal question of an attorney there for the rest of the day until 5 p.m. in whatever time zone you're at. Um, also, if you want more um, information about Legal Shield or identity theft protection, my goal is to protect everybody with it. I love this service. I genuinely, truly love this service because it's a great service. It's affordable and everybody needs it. Everybody needs a will. Everybody needs to have their identity protected. And you know what? Honestly, my goal is to level up this month uh, to become senior manager. And, and you know what? You guys are going to help me do that because some of you need the service. You're going to get it from me, I believe, if you're smart. <laughs> just contact me there or just message me and say hey okay I'm ready I'm ready to commit to $25 a month for legal shield and I'm gonna protect my family get my will done and I'll have this service that I can use for a whole bunch of other stuff too and or protect your identity and or if you have a business uh, a home business you can get a supplement there and protect your business and or if you have a gun and you need a gun supplement and you're already a member just ask me how you can get that added on um, and get get geared up you know this is a ministry, it's a, it's a company that was born out of a believer's heart. A follower of Christ created Legal Shield, just so you know. And, um, and it's a business that does good stuff and the value of it outweighs the expense. So get in touch with us and tomorrow join us again for Bible News Radio, okay? All right, remember people, be bold, stand up, yeah, stand up. And go with God, with your Bible in hand, because he loves you. We'll see you tomorrow.